Mean Old Lion Media presents the history of being black. What I know, welcome, which I'm quite sure of, to the last episode of 2022 History of Being Black podcast. I'm Jay Hall, and I am joined. I'm gonna hype this up a little bit because I'm gonna show a little favoritism. Husband and wife team who are Grammy and Latin award winning cross platform multi genre creative powerhouse milk. And says my family. Hello, 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 hello. Hello, hello. What's going on, good brother? Everything is is going good over here. You know, I wanted to get that intro right because you know, you guys are family. We've been talking about doing this for a little while, and so you know, I'm glad that you were able to join. And you know, better late than no time at all. So it was all good. And I just want to ask, first of all, how you doing? How, how's your today going? Oh, today, today is. A blessing we don't take for granted. <laughs> um, I say that laughingly, not because it's not, but because, you know, every day you're challenged. And today had its own set of unique challenges, but we were able to overcome them. And here we are. So we try to keep that at the forefront of every day. How are you overcoming? Because something's going to happen. What are you doing? <laughs> Yo, that is so real because... I've gotten older to the point where I realize that nothing takes five minutes. Nothing is a quick, I'm going to go around the corner, come back, takes five minutes. I actually meant to mail something today, and that was at 11 o'clock. And I just got in about 30 minutes ago, and clearly it's about after seven. So that going to show you how adulthood works right there. Oh, adulthood. The joy of adulthood. <laughs> it's grow up, they said. <laughs> It'll be great. <laughs> You can do what you want, they said. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. The only thing about adulthood is that you can stay where you want, but then after that, you actually want to go to bed quite early. <laughs> if only it was just staying up. Sometimes you can't go to sleep because insomnia is real, and then you still got to get up early because you have adult things to do. So it feels like childhood Absolutely. in reverse. Oh, it most definitely is. Well, let's let's get into this little story real quick because, you know, you two are married. How does one become a husband and wife writing team? Like, how does that come together? I mean, being married, from my, what I hear, is already a challenge. Being business partners is already a challenge. What got in your mind to combine the two? <laughs> I don't know why that's hilarious because coming from you that way, but... I think um, for me, it was the, it was the natural progression of things. It was at first we okay. You're trying to say he's like no, no, absolutely not. That's not what happened. I'll let you try. It, it wasn't the natural progression of things, actually. <laughs> it was. She, she wanted nothing to do with me as it pertains to music. As a matter of fact, she told me when we met that she wasn't going to do music with me because if I was whack. Then she was going to have to choose between having a romance or, you know. Or nothing or nothing because because (laughs) you're not going to be sitting at the studio with me while I got records to write. Talking about some, yo, I got this idea I need you to hear, man. I just got this idea. If you just let me get it out. Like if you let me get the ideas I came to do, it's being us. That'd be great too. But thank God. God is such a, 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 a major head of our household. But thank him every day for the fact that he was not trash and he, that we built a beautiful life together <laughs> because, man, I know I'm a tough customer. So I'm just grateful that he was awesome. I, I, I Listen, I thank his mom often. 
that he was just often like he was born great. So I was like, thank you. Oh, this is amazing. <laughs> Telling you, I kiss the ground that woman walks on. Thank you for making him. He is amazing. I know what frogs look like. I've heard a lot of thank yous, but I have never heard thank you for not being trash. That is the realest thank you I've <laughs> ever heard in 2022. But let me ask you. You know how many people are in relationships that they cannot tell their other person honestly and openly how they truly feel about their art, you know, because of fear and damage to the relationship. Man, that's a tough, and you're doing life with this person. Whew. I wish that on no one. That's, that's, that's <laughs> like, real. And you know, when you, when you talk about art, art is such a emotional thing. It's such a passionate thing. And brother, let me start with you sis. Won't you give us a little bit of the background? I don't even think maybe I've known you so long now, I probably forgot. But when it comes to music, as far as in your come up, what was your earliest music memory? Yikes. My earliest music memory was saying my first rap, <laughs> which was at three years old. Uh, my family has been heavily influenced by music. All my brothers, I'm the youngest of nine brothers. Um, and all of them were in band. They all were in like a band together. And then my older brother, Wishan, he was a music producer. So he was producing music since like late 80s, early 90s. And so he introduced me to the life of just being involved in music. And so after that first little taste, I was more so involved on the artist side. I thought I was going to be like a rapper and I did, you know, I did that. I was like a kid rapper and I was pretty talented, you know, at that aspect, at least I thought so. Um, <laughs> and I, I had a chance to, you know, perform amongst the greats at like 12 years old, you know, 11, 12 years old. I was already performing with the likes of KRS-One and The Roots and uh, The Lost Boys and, you know, different really great artists at that time. And so, that was like my introduction to music. I had no idea I would become a music producer, though. That, that was not something I planned on. Same question for you, sis. Um, I was basically in a girl group at the time. Um, you know, every girl group was like on the planet uh, while I was in high school. So a bunch of, you know, three of my friends got together. We formed this girl group. We you know, we're uh, coached by like Faith Evans, vocal coach. We were, um, and he was actually the one who kicked it to me to realist, actually. Um, he was like, you, you should write, like you should write for the group. Like you should write all the songs. And I was like, are you trying to say I can't sing? Like what's happening right now? Like what's, what's going on? Um, he was like, I think your talents are better used um, writing. He said, I think you have a very strong pen. And, you know, I was like, you know, I was kind of insulted because he also, you know, not knowing the way the, the business works, we were like, you know, going up against groups like Divine at the time or 3LW or like all these groups that were coming out of Jersey. Whitney Houston had a group uh, Sunday. All these girls went to school with me, you know, like these were these were people in my high school or like close vicinity area. And so my girl group was trying to, you know, battle these other girl groups. And it's like, every, at the time, everybody had a girl group. So I think in that it was the biggest blessing and, you know, uncovering the fact that it's like, 
strengthen his things. I'm like, you know what? Fine. I'm going to be the best writer ever. <laughs> you know, I'm going to write for everybody. I'm, I'm always, I'm always going to write. And um, so I just started sharpening my pen, started sharpening my pen and kind of like took more of a back seat. Didn't really want to perform anymore. Didn't want to do any, you know, it's crazy now because when people hear songs that I do, they're like, yo, you should do it. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not even in the headspace. I, I never want to be the writer that transitioned to an artist. You know, I was like, that just doesn't seem like the the natural progression for me. It was like I was an artist who transitioned to a writer, and that's that's a good space for me. That I want to stay there. Um, so yeah, I got my start basically in a girl group, moving on to starting to write, and that's kind of like where I landed. And of course, I've continued to evolve in different forms of writing, but songwriting has always been like my first love. When you think about the behind the scenes. And especially in the era like today, when these kids are coming up and, you know, they got the TikToks, they got social media, they got everything they want and they, everybody wants to be in the front. From you two being creators and producers and writers, what's some of the benefits that you've seen when you start going behind the scenes earlier in your careers that you can share? Benefits? I mean, honestly, we saw we saw the change that was required, like the way we are in business. And being as clean as we are in business, because we saw so much dirt. Like we were just talking about the conversations that, you know, I was having as a very, I wasn't even a college student yet. I'm in high school, you know, and I'm having such harsh conversations that, you know, you're running into these studios, you're going to these spaces and you don't feel protected and people might be kicking it to you straight or telling you the truth or whatever it is, but there's no protection around that. So I think that my, my takeaways of seeing the behind the scene is that creatives need to be protected more, right? So it's a lot of stories that come out about creatives. And I just always felt like you don't know the real parts of this story or the, the narrative that you're being told. There's so, it seems like there's so much more to this story than just, what you're being fed or what you're the lot the company line, right? Because when you're behind the scenes, you are seeing, you're seeing so much, right? You see everything, especially if you're observant, you know what I mean? And coherent. <laughs> and you're like, you can put words together and you're like, no. So for, for us, you know, from my start, I felt like my journey into writing was a lot harder originally because I was so uh, knowledgeable. I was so, you know, uh, or some people would say, uh, hard-headed, right? That's a, that's kind of like um, a tough customer. Anything that you want to say to make someone feel as if their request for information is not warranted because you should just trust me. But every time you're seeing these stories, it's the person who isn't asking the question. Or the, once they double down on the, what, you don't trust me? Then the, the artist or somebody backs out and says, no, 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 I trust you. I'm just trying to make you a star. And they're like, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, um, whatever you say. It's like, no, I want my lawyer to look at this contract. No, I want this person to do this. No, I don't like this line. I want this taken out. So when you become that person and from seeing it from behind the, the curtain, when now all these stories are coming out by real storytellers, you're seeing it like, wow, I can't believe that happens. And I'm like, that's Monday. <laughs> That's a Tuesday. That's not like, that's an everyday situation. That's not new. So if you didn't learn, what we learned most, what I learned most, I'll speak for myself, is that protecting your creativity, protecting your art 
at all times, regardless of who's in the room and who's saying what and what sweet nothings or the one, two, as we call it, is being spewed at you. You have to know that you are still a product. You're still a service, a talent, something you're offering. So they're going to say what they need to say to get you on the other side of that dotted line. So you got to be mindful of all of that. And it all makes sound sweet. But how many of those things are in your name? How much stuff are they actually paying for? What are they actually doing? That's a very long conversation, but protection, protection of assets, intellectual property, just that's my biggest takeaway from the the industry as a whole. What would you say, and either one of you can answer this question, what was on an individual basis your first imprint where you had your name on it? And it was like, yo, this was, this is mine. Like I produced this, I wrote this. What project was that for you individual wise? No, yours is way bigger than mine. (laughs) It's not the first, but it's like. Yeah, you said the first. So that's where it gets a little bit different because it's not. Mine first was, it was actually this artist because I worked with a lot of different artists all the time and what, what. This is a little bit of my insight to behind the scenes as a producer, as I worked with a lot of artists that I was like blown away at the fact that I worked with them, but the projects never came out. So I never got that opportunity to see my name on the credits. Like for instance, first big group I've ever worked with was the Fugees. And I worked in the studio with them, went in like, in person, this is not like I sent something. No, I was in the studio with all three. They had just decided they were going to come back and do an album together. The album wound up not working because they just couldn't get over their differences. But that's something that I was able to you know, experience. I had that experience. I, I did that work. And I, I had several of those situations. I worked a lot with Rockefeller Records and a bunch of their artists. And so it was just like a lot of that until at one point I wound up working on this artist named uh, Kevin Samples. And Kevin Samples was uh, under Universal. And I remember so distinctively like that process being so rewarding for me because it wasn't just the fact that that was the first thing I saw my name on, but it was who I also was like, who was alongside me as producers. You know, I had people I looked up to like Shay Taylor, who was one of my musical mentors and just brilliant guy produced some of everybody from Beyonce to you name it. Like this guy is amazing. Um, Scott Storch, you know, these are guys that were like listed. I'm listed right next to them on this album. And I'm just like, man, this is crazy. This is amazing to be able to be looked at as on a, a peer level to these greats that I, I, I think are just incredible musicians uh, and have contributed, you know, such amazing work to the world. So, um, yeah, that was like my first experience of seeing my name on something. I think for me, my biggest, well, my first, first. my first was Girlicious. So CW had created a show for the Pussycat Dolls, the Pussycat Dolls presented this. And so the record was kind of in a funny space because I got a call saying, do you want to do an be an album cut for the Pussycat Dolls or do you want to be a single for Girlicious? And um, I got a call from those producers and I was like, I want the single. Like, let's go for the single. Um, 
So, you know, we did that, but the experience of being in the studio, being in Geffen and working alongside Ron Fair was like the the best. It was, it really kind of like shaped it and cemented a lot of the bad behavior that we saw showing a completely other side, knowing that it's possible. Because I remember arguing with people for years before that, before getting my first placement, where I was saying, no, I'm not doing it like that. No, I don't want to do that. And they were like, that's not how it works. It's got to work like this. It has to be done. And I remember going back and circling back and saying, almost like, you know, you having those, I told you, I was petty then. Um, so I was... I, I called those same people and I was just like, well, Ron Fair called my manager and told him that I wasn't getting paid enough as a writer. So he set my rate. So now my rate is X. And he was um, and just the, the, the confirmation from Ron during that process and saying like just how he liked my writing and how well he thought I wrote and what he was joking about of other writers and other things. And I was just like, wow because he was saying how strong of a writer i was and that was that was that felt good because at that time i wasn't getting the placements so not getting the placements because it felt like more of an attitude right it's an it's an at you like you don't like the way i said it <laughs> because i wasn't just gonna be like no you're not gonna take this large percentage of the record and give me crumbs when i wrote the whole thing um was kind of you know that was kind of my feeling. And I was, I was getting discouraged at that time. Says remembers. Um, I was getting discouraged during that time because I, I was, I felt like I wasn't being, I was so strong on principle that principle was hurting me, but that, that was not true. It was just, I had to find the right people to surround myself with creatively and to mentor me properly to say, no, you are worth, you have value and let no one tell you different. So, cause sometimes when you fight a war and you feel like you're the only one with your sword up and you're like, no, I know this is bull. And everybody's like, no, I mean, well, that's just kind of how the game goes. Like, this is trash. This is all trash. Every, all of y'all, y'all behaviors, what you're doing, y'all, everything you're doing sucks. Okay. And again, I was offending people left and right. So <laughs> This is why I married this guy. I married this guy because there was nobody who could talk me off my my stage of y'all all suck. And let me tell you why. And so he used to tell me less, just less. Like they don't need to know all of that. We never have to work with them again. Don't even worry about it. You ain't got to cuss everybody out. Well, that's why I was asking in particular about when your name was first put on something, because I don't know if anyone was paying attention or not, but just like a month ago, Glorilla was asking about who can be her assistant for 500 a week. And then before that, Summer Walker was asking around the same price about who can be an assistant. And it became this argument about an older generation saying you got to pay your dues and a younger generation saying that's those aren't livable wages. And so with both of you having that experience where you had to do a lot of things before your name actually got on there, for you as a professional now, do you think or when do you think the line is drawn between paying your dues and being a professional like this is what I do and no longer am I just going to be doing things for free or whatever? This is my rate. I think the industry will tell you. I think the industry will tell you. Um, I've done so many things for free. I've done so many things for lower than 
you know, the rate, the quality doesn't it, change. The quality doesn't change. I mean, I could beg to say that, yeah, of course, I've gotten more skilled over the years. and uh, But the same mind thought of those records 15 years ago that's thinking of those records today. So I think the industry will absolutely tell you when to make that shift. And it, it happens kind of unknowingly. It also happens fluidly if you're going about it the right way. It shouldn't be. I just did this, and that's why it's that. No, no, no. It, I've been doing this consistently for this long, and this is why I deserve to be, you know, getting this wage or getting asking this amount because I have, you know, shown that I'm consistent. Not that I've been doing it for a long time. It's time, no. I mean, you could, you, could be, you could be terrible for 20 years, 30 years, and just be terrible for a very long time. That does not make you, you know, it doesn't make you great. It does, and it doesn't make you worthwhile of spending your money. But if you're consistently delivering quality, great product, time over time over time, you know, eventually it's going to catch on. But especially if you're working in a community of people like music. That'll help uplift you and tell you that, hey, you're not, you're not at this rate. You're actually at this rate. You know what I mean? Like you should... Be, pay, be paid more for this. Like so many people, even as we continue to pass that information and knowledge down, people always are hitting us up and asking like, hey, do you mind if I ask you like how, how much you're getting paid right now for this? And without with, with no ego, you should be able to share that information based on quality of work, consistency of work, how long you've been, you know, like just how much skin you have in the game overall, because that really sometimes most of the time that stuff actually doesn't even matter half of the time because a hit record could come out of the sky right so it's like are you chart topping are you this there's like there's a lot of criteria that goes into it you know what i mean like sometimes they just need the work done so they need somebody who's consistent who can do it right so that's a separate rate then there's people who are like making sure you're not getting you're not doing too many jobs right is really where you can start to slice things out like no 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 you're gonna pay me to be the engineer you're gonna pay me to be the producer you're gonna pay me to also be the songwriter like just because i can one-stop shop this i'm a line item everything that i've done for this song versus being like no well i just wrote this and this is my fee you know you should be breaking that out if nothing else even if you're just writing a demo fee you know even if it's just a demo there's a fee for everything and what i always used to explain to people on the other side of the business meaning like the suits, I used to explain to them, somebody is getting paid for everything. These lights do not turn themselves on alone, right? So while, yes, yeah, somebody may not be getting what they think is a living wage, more jobs consistently, if you're staying with somebody on a certain, a certain hour, like you're going to a job job, then yeah, you should be paid like you're going to a job. Right. If you're a contractor and you're not dedicating as many hours, then you should be paid hourly what a living wage should look like. You can't just use up creatives that way to be like, okay, well, you know, you're not really making no money, but you're getting all this experience. Am I? What experience? Tell me what tell me what I'm tell me what I'm learning that when I'm sleeping on the floor. Like let, like for real. Cause I always tell people I don't because we don't believe in the intern system. That's another separate conversation, but you should be paid for your efforts. Yeah, I mean, gratitude, gratitude can be shown in so many other ways than, than having to be humbled. 
nobody that's not that's not the way that it has to go people think that paying your dues means you have to be humbled so to say you have to be put down in order in order for you to be lifted up and that's just a a mindset that i don't know who came up with but somebody wanted to feel better about themselves in that moment (laughs) so they wanted to feel better by Treating someone treating someone else lower than so that they can raise themselves up. Yes, I need you to go do this and get this from me and do this. Do the things that I don't want to do. And that's how you pay your dues. And that helps no one. Very selfish way of thinking, actually. No, I feel that. That that definitely makes sense. I definitely like the industry will let you know thing. Um, For me, the industry was milky. But that's a whole other conversation. When you two were doing your solo and you coming up in the game, Bro, you was coming up doing your thing. Says, I know you were coming up doing your thing. What brought you two together to actually work together? Was it somebody put you both in a room? You happened to meet out, you know, being social. What was the first project that made you two say, we're going to work together on this project? So it's it's a pretty straightforward scenario. So the story always starts off as a love story, right? And so it, it starts off from us meeting the way that we met, which was in an airport by chance, I showed interest in her. We spoke, but didn't really speak. We found out that we'd be in the same city. We'll be in the same city. And also the group of people that I was with, which was a huge entourage of people because we were headed to the Latin Billboard Awards. Uh, they realized that her wrist has a bass clef on it. And they asked about, does she do music? And she said, she's a songwriter. Immediately, my manager jumped in, started getting her information just as a, you know, That's go ahead. Yeah. yeah, let me go ahead and get your information. You, you're in Jersey. We're in Jersey. You're going to be in Miami. We're going to be in Miami. There's some synergy here. Let's make it happen. My thought was like synergy, schminergy. You know, <laughs> I need to get to know who this is. Right. And so eventually we wound up just connecting and, of course, building a romantic relationship. And in the moments when she realized that, oh, wait, like he he's not he's, trash. And he's very talented. And he's talented. Let me let me go ahead and start doing some things. So for a long time, for like at least, I mean, it seems it's, like a long it time. Does, but, but it was like that long. three, four months. No, I was going to say for a year or so, no one would allow for us to build records together is what I was referring to. Oh, uh, that seemed like it took, it, it was, yeah, it seemed like it took forever, but it was very, it was shorter. It was like a year where we would submit songs that we did together and people would be like, hey, let me get the, hey, let me get the girl on there. Who wrote that? Yeah, I want to get the writer with my producer. And then on my side, it would be like, oh yeah, man. I like, I like, I like, that, I like it. That beat, but let but me let get me, my writer let, yeah. to, to write on that. And so it was always like this. separation of church and state is what we used to call it. We used to be like, oh, okay, you trying to, you want to conquer and divide. And we, again, you know, like I said, I have a, um, and he does too. And he's like, he has a very militant personality as well. <laughs> but I know I tend to always be the one to be always, you know, I'm always like coming for it. Um, but we were very confused and we would also, so we started fighting for it. You know, we started fighting for us to work together and saying like, hey, this is this is a great song as is. It doesn't need anything. You know what I mean? Without trying to make it ego driven. You know, we're not we're not opposed to working with people. 
we were saying, okay, then let us all get in the studio and work together. And it just seemed like they were like, nah. And you know what? Someone actually told us once that there was fear of what if we didn't work out? You know what I mean? Like that became real fear. It was like, uh, well, what if, because we had a whole, a whole situation with an artist and it was like one of the guys was like i mean y'all could have just decided y'all didn't want to date anymore we got a company together we got a whole artist together we built a production team and we were like why is that even we started we told y'all we didn't want to do music if it was going to complicate things so now that you're making us you know like oh he's not he's not bad oh she's she's really talented cool let's work together now you're like afraid of the union that was one that was really only a union. Now we're working together. And so it was it was after what really happened is we had a lot of growing pains. Transparent full transparency. There was a lot of growing pains in that. There was a lot of animosity uh, for the industry, for situations, individual situations. I remember both of us being extremely frustrated. You know, in those moments where it's like, oh, what, they trying to play me? You know, they're trying to say I'm not as dope as this person and so on and so forth. And, you know, and it would it would it would mess with your confidence. You know, you're talking in our 20s, ego, ego, crazy, ego maniacs, you know, and you're trying to tell me that we can't work together. They're trying to split us apart. And also bring the candle at both ends. Yeah. And then you start to feel self-doubt. Now you really start to question yourself, am I not good enough? Am I not as good as the people that they want you to work with? Oh, you're going to go and just take off and then, oh, now I'm, now you're going to be just trying to put me on as a fate. Like, what is, what is this? You know, I thought I was, I thought I was this, you know, so all of these thoughts begin to go through your head. And for us, we, we had to come to the conclusion, like, no, we're not going to feed into Wait, the you mindset, want us to think. right, the mindset that you think we are supposed to be validated by you. If we think it's dope, it's dope. Then it's dope. That's it. And that was the mindset that we took on. Once we started doing that, I started to jump in and help mm-hmm. to get the records to where they needed to be. Like with her. That's how I got record. my first placement because he had to record it. I had literally, <laughs> I was going into surgery when I wrote the record. I had to have like a biopsy done. So he also came with me to L.A. and had all those same experiences I had when we were in the studio with the group because, you know, he was there right by my side because I, ju- I had just had surgery. I wrote it right before surgery. He was like, you know, we like I said, we, we were kind of at odds about him helping me just to record the record. You know what I mean? Like, so we had the girl, um, one of our protégés came and recorded it for us and just getting that and going through that process. Like he's, I mean, that's just the truth. It was, it was just definitely that it was definitely a lot of growing things and being like, you know what? You, I know you need help. I, let me record this. Let me record it. Well, I'm like, editing, let me just, yeah. let me edit it. I don't like this part of the song. Let me fix it. Okay. He fixed it. Now he's fixing the other producer's record. Right. And all that stuff stayed like everything <laughs> that he edited in stayed, you know? So you know, without him, I wouldn't have had my first placement because I was still, I needed, we needed to always support each other properly, not the way that um, we, we wanted to support, the way that was really required. 
You know what I mean? And sometimes it's required of you to support that person by showing up and not rocking the bag. Right. That, that would be a, a lesson for me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, could you imagine like if I, cause I, I helped with vocal producing the backgrounds, help with editing the song, the kit, you know, how to deliver it, all of that stuff. I'm doing everything that you're supposed to do as a producer to produce the record. Cause that's who I am. Right. So you have a in-house producer really helping to produce the record. And I didn't go in there and say, Hey, y'all need to put my name on this record. Y'all need to, y'all need to give me my credit because if I didn't do no, because it wasn't about me. It was about the moment. It was about getting her right to that very moment that she can talk about today. Now and say my first placement happened here and my rate jumped up, jumped up here and this, and it all happened because it was Eagle began to be. And that was such a lesson in that moment of selflessness, being selfless and understanding what we were building, what we were about to embark on. And it was after that. Truly foundational. Man, after that, that's when we turned around and started working with Neo's artist. And we got her single, uh, Jaden Maria, with Trench Coat and Shades. And that was like the first Milk and Sizz song to ever have us listed together. And it was with um, with Motown. Mm Mm-hmm. Universal Motown. Universal Motown. And so, like, that was a, a, a pivotal moment. Like, hey. See? We did it. We can work together. <laughs> we can keep doing it. If you just let us work on the records. Y'all, I love to hear it. Tell me about the first Grammy win and what changed after that. What changed after that? <laughs> <laughs> so, first Grammy win, and the reason why Milk said, you know, yours was so much bigger. Because it wasn't my first placement. It wasn't, it was by far not my first placement. And it wasn't my first time seeing my name on anything. But it was my first time being affiliated with something so big and so grand in its presence that it definitely elevated my career and my status in the music industry for the better. And that was with the group Weeson and Yandel. Um, Worked on their album, and it's a it's a mouthful. It Los extraterrestres, um, <laughs> and for those who don't speak Spanish, uh, that's the extraterrestrials. Uh, you know, they were like aliens. They were. You know, they they took risk. They were always at the forefront of reggaeton, um, and it was a pleasure to work with those guys. And it was so much great energy that went into that process and how the record even came about. That's a whole nother, like I could go a whole hour on just how that song came together. But ultimately that song or that album, I should say, that album was at number one on the Billboard charts for 14 weeks straight and broke extreme records. It was one of the first albums to have an attachment to a media player. So that was the Zoom. Uh, I don't know if you remember that. It was by Microsoft. Microsoft, mm-hmm. Microsoft had a, a, a media player called the Zoom. And the album was actually preloaded into the Zoom and had its own artwork on special edition ones. And it just, it, it was incredible. It was a lot of effort put into it. Yeah. But I think what you said most importantly was the energy. Because I think every story we're telling 
there's some there's something so key and it's the energy that went into it. Now, if you did, if, there, if the energy wasn't right, those projects never saw the light of day, you know, like always. It was yeah. so that one went to the moon like they were selling out when he got the placement. They had sold out Madison Square. Like he's in the hotel, they're all rushing in. He's getting, he's going up to the room. He's playing them on hotel speakers, the record. And then they finishing up getting ready for the show. Like, congratulations, you're on the album. Like they're congratulating him for getting on the album as if they could already predict exactly where it was going to go. And it did all the things. So it's like, there was just so much good energy going into that. So that's why it's like, it, it is, it's so much bigger because it just showed you the art and the power of manifestation. It showed you, like, as we get older, we can reflect back on these moments differently and be like, yo, they put all of that in there. There was never somebody sitting in the corner like, nah, man, we ain't, you know, we not out here about to do it. No, it's like, congratulations, you're going to win and you're going to win forever <laughs> because of this moment. <laughs> I don't know if you remember, but I remember being rushed uh, after the album came out because it came out in like November turned around the Latin billboards came and they had just made the cut for the Latin billboard awards. And we were sitting on the couch and we're like, yeah, okay, let's go. And the Latin, Latin billboard awards came and we lost, we lost the daddy Yankee. I remember it distinctively we lost the daddy Yankee. And I was like, dang, well, we're going to lose to anybody. Yeah. Daddy Yankee. I and I was just like, man, I thought this album was going to go crazy. And then it turned around and right after when the Grammys came around, it won the Latin first. It won the Latin Grammy that year for Latin uh, Latin album of the year. Of the year, then turned around the following year. Oh eight, it was oh seven Latin. Right then, and then oh eight, the American Grammys came around, and they and took it, best Latin <laughs> album of the Latin year. urban album of the year yeah. on the American side. So it was just like. You know, it was incredible to watch the process and and see the fruits of the labor that went into it. But then afterwards, I think there were two things that happened. We were definitely on a hot streak, for sure. Like we were in everybody's offices. We were all over the place, L.A., Atlanta, and Miami all the time, just constantly going, going, going. But the other thing that happened, which was a little bit um, unique, and I, I wish... And I can't say I wish, but I I do feel like if I were more mature in that moment, I would have taken advantage of of this fact. The fact is everybody started calling for Latin stuff, not realizing that that was just a fusion of music and I didn't really have any limitations. And, you know, our mindset was not set on one genre. It was always about blending and mixing genres. But... In that moment, I almost took it as an offense that you would put me in the box of just Latin music. So they only were calling like, hey, man, I got this Latin artist. I would love for you to work on it. I was like, dude, I can do anything else. Like, I mean, you know, what about R&B? What about rap? What about this? And so it was like the blessings were right there. And because once again, sometimes you, you're, you're not aware enough and you don't have the foresight to kind of understand that. All you have to do is be in a, in, a, in a mindset to receive the blessings versus talking about what you don't want to do, mm-hmm. thinking about what opportunities you want over the opportunities that are available, over things that are coming right to you naturally. Um, and so, 
you know, it was it was definitely a complicated time uh, in life for us because we were seeing like all the ups and downs at the same exact time, uh, which is it just puts you in a unique space and it changes your perspective. That's that's a beautiful moment, and I can't imagine like sharing that with someone I love because as a music head as I am, I'm always thinking about. Whenever you see somebody win Grammys, you you see the one person and they thank people in the crowd. They thank the loved one. But to be, you know, a team and to go through that, that that had to be a very beautiful moment to to still though hear hear your name called, you know, something that you work hard behind and to still see that and be able to hold hands with your person right then and there. That had to be something beautiful. Absolutely. It was it was incredibly uh, beautiful for the simple fact that I feel like it was because everything was in alignment. It was because we were supposed to be in each other's lives. That that record came about only months after we met. And it was like, he was kind of thinking like, ah, I don't want to go to the studio to meet up with this dude. He, he, he just likes this record. He likes this record. So I'm going to go leave, basically leave you, go play this record for him. And it's going to be the same of the same old, same old. I'll be right back. <laughs> right. And it was like, no, he was like, no, let's get in the studio. He had his, his, uh, the guy who was up staying on the hook. He has him on the record. So he, he had orchestrated this whole thing with a real play behind it. You know what I mean? But I was just like, go, I mean, what, what literally, what else are we doing? Right. There was like nothing else we were doing. We were doing nothing. So it's like, all right, cool. So we went to the studio. Then we get the call like, yo, (laughs) come, Come come to New York right now, right now. Congratulations, you're on the album. You know what I mean? Like, play the record. And it's not like he had any other record on said CD. There was one song. There was only one song on the CD. So, you know what I mean? It's like, I mean, listen, I tell people this all the time. I had no clue with even my first placement that how many other people had tried to write to that track. You know what I mean? Like, you don't know what you don't know. So, you know what I mean? So you're not intimidated by anything because you don't know that it's like, like if somebody was told, you know, the, the older version of your younger, you're like, you went to the studio with one song on a CD? How arrogant are you? <laughs> like, what is, what's going on? <laughs> or like, oh. I mean, no, that's equivalent. It's equivalent because the, the status that these guys are at on the Latin side, that was equivalent to me showing up to 4040 to meet with Jay-Z, you know, at the time when he was always hanging in and just be like, yo, Jay, I got one song for Blueprint. <laughs> and this is going to, I'm telling you, this is the one. But I don't have anything else for him to choose. Just one track. I'm just going to put a CD in and it's going to land. The, the odds of that are just like, just so, they're just so far and few in between. And that's how crazy it was for us. Like, people were like, oh, yeah, this person wrote to that. And he didn't like that. No, you know, he didn't like that song or this other song didn't make it. Or we would be pushing songs off of albums thereafter. We would be like, oh, OK. So then, you know, like he said, you don't or I said, you don't know what you don't know. But then also you're trying to you, your mourning losses of wins. <laughs> you should be. <laughs> these are actual wins. You're sitting there like, oh, man, it would be nice to be invited at the beginning of the project. It's like, how are you losing right now? Like, how did you, how did you flip that into an L? 
Like, you know what I mean? Like you just, you made the project. You got a check from this. You are a songwriter. You produce music for a living now. How did you manage to decide that this is, this is a negative? Oh, I, you know what? I'm more than just a, a Latin producer. I'm more than just, you know, and it's like, what does that matter? How, does, how did you get there? What, what's, what's telling you that everything that is happening to you is not for you? You know, because none of these are losses. Everything, all of this is wins if you look at it properly. Yo, I, I love to hear it. I, I just got a few more because the one thing I really want to get established is not only are you two a duo and you do great work, but you're really big on giving creatives a shot. And I witnessed it. Can you expound a little bit on Soundboard and your purpose and how that came together? <laughs> um, so writing in front of a... a in front of an audience and creating something that, you know, just being an undergrad and seeing, you know, improv in a completely different way. Like, you know, being in school to see, I'm able, we were able to just debate live out of picking out of a fishbowl. Right. And so I always, I also write and songwrite from that perspective. It's like, I can write to any topic about any side, argue any side of an argument, all that those skills work towards what I'm trying to do. Um, I felt like, there was a lot of learnings as we started to cultivate our own artists in the industry that certain things weren't as polished as I'm used to being around that level of skilled talent. And I'm like, who, you know, maybe our mentors were just harder on us or whatever, but I felt like it was kind of missing where there was no one telling them like, what you mean you're not ready to sing? This might be your shot. Like, <laughs> what do you mean that you can't write nothing right now? You got to take it back to some arbitrary location to, to do that. Now there's a time for that. I don't want to make you seem like your process is not a, a valid process, but you need to strengthen other muscles. And the muscle that you specifically need to strengthen right now is being dope every time, consistently, without fail. If somebody says, it, you got five seconds, impress me. You got five seconds to impress them and they might be able to change your life. And it might just be through exposure. It might be through an opportunity. You have no idea. But by you turning it down, by saying like, nah, I just, I just want to be ready. That was you being ready. Like you, you were supposed to be ready. So Soundboard was designed so that we could get people ready because you'd never know what, what's going to happen. The band could be trash. This could happen. The sound could be off. The mics could be bad. Power could go out. Anything could happen in a show. You're going to storm off the stage and disappear into the oblivion because it didn't go the way that you wanted it to go. It's like, we got to work on the inside. So it's like inside out with soundboards. It's like, we got to work on that natural ability that you already got, whatever talent God gave you, whether it's songwriting, singing, producing, musical, and we got to give you a platform that you got to do it on cue every time. He's going to be behind you, producing you, coaching you, making sure that the musicians, because they have perfect pitch, you're on every time. Nobody's up there to embarrass you, but you got to work that out. So if you want you can either gain fans tonight or you could not gain fans tonight. That's up to you. So you got to get up there and you got to work it out. You got to impress them. You got to show these people that why you, you know, you've been given this gift and you don't get to say, oh, maybe next week because I might not get that mic again. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, I might just tell you like, oh, well, this is not an open mic. So it's not I means it's not open to everybody. 
So if I find you and I think you're talented, I'm going to give you a shot. I'll call you up out of the blue. Go ahead and run it. And um, we've been we've been successful in trying to I know, love that. get our that Again, this is not to embarrass you. This is to keep keep you ready so you don't have to get ready. You never know when these opportunities are going to come. And it's never going to come at an opportune time. I love that. Um, one thing I've noticed about Soundboard and when I'm around you two and the artists that you work with, it seems to be like a very genuine relationship. Can you kind of talk about how the relationship was important when you worked on the Jay Holiday Time album? Yeah, relationship is extremely important. For somebody like a Jay Holiday in specific, he's had a very, a very unique career and he's had quite the journey and he's had a lot of a lot of moments in which his trust has been betrayed um he's been scorned he's been you know treated like a product and for him relationship over the work anytime any day he'll take relationship over over status he'll take relationship over money any day and so when you have an artist that's that much into their craft you have to be able to build a rapport in which that can translate into the product that you're putting out because it has to feel organic or else it's just going to sound like commercialized trash and it's just going to sound like you're trying it's going to sound like you're trying to you're trying to be out what was commercially successful for him before you're trying to compare you just try what's commercially successful now. Right. And that's, that's never what our intent was. Our intent with that project. And because it's so special for us, it's just the fact that we had to approach it from a standpoint of let's create some great music together and let's take our time with it. And that's all we did. We didn't really try to, to do anything outside of that. And that takes relationship and trust in order to do something like that. Otherwise, everybody wants to quick. That's it. Yeah. And it didn't, it wasn't going to come quick because there were so many factors at play. So a lot of people have to, and you, you got to have that trust back and forth. Um, it is, it's really important. Yeah. I, I have to admit as when we was having a live session and you are were playing some of the music for me before it dropped, you know, I go into it with an objective ear and I'm just, you know, listening. But then when it was over, I, I felt a very personal attachment to it, especially with Sizz was kind of breaking down. Hey, I added the drums right here because I got the idea for this. and I got the idea for that. And I can hear the ingredients, you know, in the sauce and the music and then to witness it out, you know, in the streets where I'm seeing people come to you and they just like hugging you. I'm seeing people when you give them the mic to perform and they're just they're feeling like they have to impress you and things of that nature. I can definitely see the experience that you two had, you know, on your own and wanting to what you said earlier, sis, about taking care of people moving forward. You know, I can definitely see that between the two of you. Yeah, no, we appreciate that because it has to feel real. I feel like there's a lot of not real experiences or temporary. Let's call it temporary realness. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't want to say it's all fake. It's real in the moment. And then after the moment is passed, it's like, okay, you might see that person. They may not even remember you. And so I feel that, I, well, I would love for our legacy to be genuine connection as much and as often as possible. 
or whatever happened was a hundred percent genuine, good or bad, right? It's like, that was not, there was no mincing of words. There was no, you know what I mean? Like, cause you know, tomorrow isn't promised. So you're able to actually tell someone and be connected to someone and say, Hey, you know, we, we love you. We miss you. We're glad that you're a part of this. And, and like deep down mean that, not just like everybody here works for me and I'm amazing and awesome. And so thank you for being like a part of this sort of, you know what I mean? Like, no, it's like you have to, you got to look out for people for real because you have no idea what people are going through. You know, you, you were there um, both times. And you saw one cameraman doing one thing and then you saw another guy coming through and doing a whole nother thing. And then shortly after that, we he's, he's no longer with us. He's gone. You know what I mean? Like he's off this earth. And so you have if you don't have genuine connection, all your interactions are shallow, you know, like you, you have no real moments. And so you're, you're you have nothing to tether um, those losses to. You know, so I want deep moments with people because when you're not here, I want to be able to tell the same stories that we're talking about these other moments that and they mean something. And it's like and it's real and the love was genuine. It's not you know what I mean? It's not superficial. It's like, you know, you're really missed or your family is good. and You never have to worry about anything. That's I mean, that's kind of legacy we want no, that's 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 beautiful. Before we go, please let everybody know exactly what projects are you working on. And I and I want to be clear: working with you two, y'all, you go, you can go for working with the Jay Holiday album to working on a sudden with a children's book to working on a movie score. Like it doesn't just stop with what's being played on the radio or what's being played on your playlist. Like you two are creative. So what is in store for twenty twenty three for Milk and Sis? So currently, um, and I think we can we can talk about this one now that it's um, that it's solidified. Is we are continuing our relationship with Georgia Tech, and we are continuing to build out a music library with Georgia Tech for a program called Ear Sketch, in which it teaches children from pre K all the way to twelve how to code, and really anyone. Yeah, anyone. It's an open source coding program. Uh, that shows you how to code through the utilization of music and, and sounds and loops. And so we've taken on that contract. We've already done it with them um, over the span of two years, and we just extended that contract. And so that's going to be the first thing that we jump into 2023. Um, we do have some other things on the horizons that we have not finished up uh, paperwork with yet, so we can't really speak to those we can speak about we can speak about what i'm wearing though (laughs) um and that would be drift that is our farm that we have uh secured and we are working on diligently man why don't you tell us about it okay no i'm I'm gonna tell us about tell us us about about your experience at the farm So I didn't know how much, you know, you wanted to talk about it because I was going to lead with the farm, especially when we were texting each other earlier. But the farm itself, you know, when you hear somebody say, I got a farm and I'm like, OK, she like, hey, bro, come come see me. And I go out there and I'm like, yo, this is this is a farm, yo. Like, this is like 
yo, we black people, we out here on this farm. You know, we out here on this farm. And what I loved about being out there is that you guys already have this plan and the way you kind of, you know, talk to me about it, I can see the visuals. You're like, hey, listen, this is going to be a place for creatives to come and create where if they want to get away from the city, they want to get away from the fuss, they want to get away from the business and they want to be amongst their art form and colleagues of that. This is where we're going. We're going to create a hub for them. And I'm sitting there like, yo, the, you know, the industry sometimes can leave you such where you're just trying to survive and, you know, get yours so you can be comfortable. I, I'm always trying to figure out where does the energy come from for you? When you're always thinking about others in that sense to the point of getting a farm. And it's a legit farm. So that's my impression of it. Like, I was like, yo, it's just a farm, yo. Like, it's just it's a real farm. And real animals are walking around. And, you know, the niece is walking around. And she's just doing backflips. And everything is fine. And you're going to create. So that's that was my take from it. You know, I don't know what the name of it is yet because I was so amazed by it. But, you know, you can take it from there. Yeah. That was that was my take. So, <laughs> so Drift is designed to specialize and cater to creatives that do want that retreat space. And they wanted, we wanted to create nothing more than safe space because during the pandemic, we learned so much about how unsafe for like, not just parents, but creatives and people were dying left and right because they didn't have anywhere to, like, it was like no holds bar Atlanta, right? (laughs) So where do you go? That's like, you can be amongst other really talented creatives, not just other people just taking up space, but like high thinking, high functional, high level creatives is what I call them, high level creatives. And they can help to be community around you, but not necessarily because you may want to, you may create in a bubble and you may create, but all those spaces are available to you to create in a way that is safe and great for you. Right. So stepping away for us, like we love to travel, all of that, but we wanted somewhere that felt secure, felt free, getting back to nature. Um, some of the mental health things that are happening within our community that are unaddressed, wanting to create programming to help with the with some of the, I call the industry a war zone at times. So that with the PTSD of being a creative, you know what I mean? <laughs> so we want to facilitate space for that. We have practitioners. We're doing some therapies, you know. Because again, I like to tell people, I I'm just creating space. I don't. I plan to be the God bless and good night person. I don't plan to run any programs per se, or be your ear. But I'll have facilitators there for you to be able to get out and work through whatever is holding you back creatively, so that you can get back to the thing that you love and and, and like really like thrive, not just trying to keep your lights on. You know, like, how do you create thoughtfully? How do you create with intention? How do you create from a space of not lack? You know, but to do that, you have to feel free to create like that. And a lot of people, when, until they meet us, most people are like, wait, y'all just do what y'all want to do? I'm like, yeah, like, why, why not? There's a market for everything. <laughs> just do what you want to do. Like, you don't have to feel afraid, but when you don't have community, that's like, no, we got to do it this way. We got to do it this way. If we're not doing it this way. We're not winning. You, you don't know what's possible because your mind isn't being thought, like freed up to think about what would I really like to do? So we hope to create space in that way that um, more people can experience sustainable thriving. Yo, we have all these conversations nowadays about a safe space for this and safe space for that. 
but to actually see a physical safe space is 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 quite amazing. And I definitely appreciate you too for coming on. Let everybody know your social media where we can at least follow your work. So when you are ready to announce something, we can support that. Um, we are milk and sis at everything. So it's M I L K the letter N S I Z is in zebra Z is in zebra on all platforms. You can find us. Um, yeah. Or www.nmilkinsis.com. That's also a way to find us and find out what we're working on. That usually gives you pathways to the farm. That'll give you pathways to soundboard. And anything we do creatively, we always try to run it through our site or through our social media. And be looking out for, we will be uh, starting our crowdfunding soon yep. uh, for Drift Farm. And we will be engaging the community. We'll be engaging those who are within the creative community and just the overall supporters of the creative community that want to see us continue to thrive, bringing you some of these programs because we're not we're not a nonprofit, but we want to allow people to participate because everyone keeps asking, like, how can I be involved? How can I be involved? And we're like, we'll let you know when it's time. So that time will near in the spring. And um, we'll be able to tell everybody how to get active. So we're expecting that real support. So we're telling people, like, don't say I didn't tell you when I told you. And look forward to, uh, you know, I'm I'm throwing this out there right now, J-Hall. I'm going to need to see you at the at the harvest dinner that we that we do 2023. We're going to do a huge harvest dinner where it's going to be chef, a chef led dinner. Super huge, long table, probably look like somebody just chopped a. Uh, a a piece huge of wood. Tree, chopped a huge tree and just made a table out of it. We're going to do something like that. And it's going to be all deliciousness and festivities and, and greatness. And so that, that's coming soon. Yo, you know, I always appreciate the invite. And, um, you know, me and sis, we go back. And, bro, you know how much I feel about you. So I always appreciate being the first witness. And so I thank you for allowing this platform to kind of be the first, you know, one of the first stages to promote that and everything that's going to happen. And yes, I'll definitely be at the harvest, but you know, I'll be there even before then, you know, eating. Cause I'm just greedy like that, you know, so I'll definitely be there, but thank you for joining. I humbly appreciate you both coming onto the show. Absolutely. So grateful to be here. We appreciate you brother. No doubt. No doubt. That's how we do. You know, I'm pretty sure my blackness has been elevated. Milka says, I'm pretty sure their blackness has been elevated. Make sure you hit them up as they tell you to follow them and make sure you support what they got going on, especially if you are creative. And if you're not a creative, you know, you know somebody as a creative, please send them Milka says way on their platform so they can follow how they get down there, especially in the Georgia area. As usual, you can hit me up on all social media platforms at Jayhaw Society. Make sure you go to the history of being black on IG, and you can listen to us everywhere where you can hear podcasts. I wish I could name them all, but you know where they are. The Spotify's, the Apple Music, and everything like that. So, I hope your 2023 is going to turn out 10 times, 20 times better than what 2022 was, because I'm tired of living these 2020 sequels, okay? So, I'm wishing good blessings for everyone. Be blessed, be successful, and we'll talk to you soon. We ghost! The History of Being Black is hosted by Jay Hall, executive producer Ken Johnson. Find the History of Being Black podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Odyssey, Amazon Music, or where you get your podcast. Find the History of Being Black podcast on IG at The History of Being Black. Follow the Mean O-Line Media Podcast Network on IG at Mean O-Line Media. Get the Mean O-Line Media app in the App Store or on Google Play. The History of Being Black podcast is a Mean O-Line Media production.